The Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, Come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a deserted place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. As he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. When they had crossed over, they came to a land at Gennesaret and moored the boat. When they got out of the boat, people at once recognized him and rushed about that whole region and began to bring the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went into villages or cities or farms, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch even the fringe of his cloak. And all who touched it were healed. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. When I was in college, Wagner College on Staten Island, they had this program for freshmen called Learning Communities. It meant that three of your four or five courses were going to be with the same 25 to 30 people. This plan was devised to help student retention, which was pretty low at Wagner. Help students form deeper connections more quickly, they'll be happier and they're more likely to stay. And while it was common to mock the concept of learning communities, these forced friendships, there was something to it. My two best friends from college, the only two people I still talk to often outside of Facebook, were from my freshman learning community. I met Emily and Becca that first week of college orientation, and they were both bridesmaids in my wedding. This simple college program understood that everyone coming into a new place wants to find their people. Everyone wants to belong. And if proximity and shared coursework can create a bond that lasts over a decade, then imagine the bonds that are created through shared faith, baptism, a holy meal, a shared mission. Today's scripture lessons remind us of the importance of community. In our gospel today, the disciples are on the move. They return from their missions when they were sent out in pairs, our reading from two weeks ago, and they tell Jesus everything that happened. The disciples try to take a moment to rest, but they couldn't find a deserted place. Wherever they went, people gathered. And when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. During that break in the text, we jump from one traveling section to another. We skip to kind of major events, <laughs> the feeding of the 5,000 and Jesus walking on water. We skip them for now, but they'll both have their own moments to shine, weeks when we will dig into those miracles. 
Today, we get the in-between moments, the everyday ministry. Travel, preach the good news, heal the sick, repeat. It's not the big flashy stuff, but it matters. It matters especially to the people who are also traveling, making their way through the wilderness, seeking out these deserted places, searching for Jesus until they find him. Everywhere the crowd goes, everywhere the disciples go, a crowd gathers. The image that comes to mind is that of a child soccer or basketball game before kids really know how to play different positions. All the children follow the ball back and forth. Wherever the ball goes, everyone goes together. That's the crowd following Jesus. When Jesus healed the sick, he healed their bodies, and their healed bodies were a witness to God's love and God's power. But Jesus did something else, too. He also restored the sick and hungry into community. People who were sick were considered sinful or unclean. They were avoided and cast out. People who were hungry lacked the safety net of an extended family who could provide for their needs. Those who traveled and searched for Jesus found more than they were looking for. They found community. They found family. And while there was some sort of limit to how many people Jesus could heal in the crowd, at least it seems that way from certain passages that Jesus has restraints on his time and energy, there was no limit to the number of people who could join the crowd. This new community was open to everyone, and that was its own kind of healing. Finally, every searching person had a place to belong. In our first reading, the prophet Jeremiah tells the people what will happen during the Babylonian exile. The people will be scattered, but there will be a remnant of God's people And one day those people will be gathered back together and they'll multiply. God's family will survive and grow. The bad news is that the people will be scattered. Being scattered means the loss of identity and culture, of family and traditions, that connection to the land. It's pretty much the worst news they can get. But the good news is that the people will be gathered together again. It won't last forever. Even this wound could be healed. God won't abandon the relationship with God's chosen people. They would find belonging once again and be made whole. I think about the many ways that we find healing in community today. How those who are grieving the death of a loved one struggling with addiction or wrestling with a serious medical diagnosis, find a group of people who are going through the same thing. It doesn't bring the loved one back or change the seriousness of the diagnosis, but simply finding community, people who understand what you're going through and walk with you on that journey is healing too.
On Sunday morning, we have so many options on how to worship now. We're online, which has been so helpful for those who can no longer drive or who want to participate from out of state. Now they have a way to connect to what is happening here. We can worship outside where kids can run around and we can have dogs in church. We can worship inside in a space that is familiar and sacred. None of these are perfect modes for worship. When you're online, you can't hug a friend or be seen. And as we found out today, sometimes we have technology issues. When you're outside, the cars can be loud. It can be hot or rain can cancel worship. And inside, at the current moment, we're wearing masks, which frankly, stinks. But we're doing it because we love each other. So there's no dividing wall between vaccinated and unvaccinated, adult and child. This might be one of the last places you're still wearing a mask, but we're standing in solidarity with the young and the sick because that's just what the church does. And if you still hate wearing a mask and you really wanna take a break from it, then uh, you can volunteer to be assisting minister. The point is, nothing is perfect. Heck, even when we're back to a completely normal worship service, there still might be a hymn you don't care for or a boring sermon once in a while. But what is pretty perfect is that we have found a way to be gathered, to be the body of Christ to have more than one way to worship so that everyone has at least one option that feels comfortable and safe and accessible for them. We were scattered, but now we can be together and there is incredible healing power just in being gathered. On Thursday, we met for book club and we were discussing my year of living biblically, which You've heard me mention just a few times now in the announcements on Sunday. During his year, A.J. Jacobs attempts to follow every command in the Bible. And he wants to do this without the baggage of tradition and other people's interpretations. So he does it mostly alone with the occasional visit to a different religious community. He realizes about two-thirds through his year that he's missing something by doing it this way. A large part of religion is the community it provides. He writes, Going it alone also has its limits, and big ones. I miss out on the feeling of belonging, which is a key part of religion. Many of my more profound experiences have come when I joined a group, even momentarily. Whether that group was huge, the Hasidic dance party, or small, like singing Amazing Grace with his family. Reading this book was a reminder that it would be really hard to be a Christian alone. It would take a lot of the meaning and the joy out of it. So it's a good thing that we are called into this life together, that we're united in baptism and joined at this holy table. The best part of the people of God, this community of faith, is that there's room for everyone. There's no membership limit. It's not a club. We want it to grow and multiply.
As the people of God grows, our love grows. Our opportunity for service grows. We practice forgiveness, giving and receiving. Our rough edges are smoothed. Our spirits are strengthened. Our hope renewed. We listen to the stories of others, which strangely enough helps us to learn more about ourselves and about God. We honor traditions and come up with new ones together. When our own faith is lacking, we find wholeness in the faith of others. When we're feeling lonely, we find healing in this family. We hold one another in prayer through difficult times, and we share in one another's joy. It is good to be gathered. That's the power of being part of God's beloved people. We experience God's grace in community and in the presence of God's people. We come face to face with Christ. Amen.